With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Marlins Barbecue alongside Red Garcia. We're excited to get started on episode two. Welcome back, everybody. If you're here, you made it back, which means you like something. So let's run it right back. Um, This weekend, let's do a little weekend recap. Uh, Happy 4th of July to everybody. Um, I hope everybody was safe and healthy wearing those masks. What did you do this weekend, man? Had a couple Marlins loggers, chilled out, enjoyed a little bit of the sun, and then uh, enjoyed that pouring rain. No barbecue, unfortunately. Yeah. No barbecue. You know how it is, South Florida, that unpredictable weather, man. It was like super shiny and bright on one side, and then you turn around, it was like, oh, it's about to pour, man. Let's just take it in. <laughs> it was ugly there for a little bit, but I had some barbecue, cooked my uh, little famous jalapeno poppers that are famous in my own house, but everybody loves them, so it was a good weekend. Um, the story this weekend, it was on everywhere on Twitter, was uh, Tanaka getting hit by a comebacker there while pitching off the mound. Uh, Stanton hit a screamer right back at him, hit him in the head. He was down for a minute, was able to walk off on his own power. But it started the question, should pitchers be pitching live already? Um, where do you stand on that? Is it something that you think it's unavoidable? Eventually they got to get out there. I saw some people saying, why aren't they pitching behind L screens? Um, if you don't know what an L screen is, guys, that's basically the uh, a little screen. It's literally a net. That's in the shape of an L, exactly what it's called. And um, basically the pitch could throw from behind it. Um, I used to pitch a little bit, pitching behind an L screen, guys. It's not it's not comfortable. It's not real. Where do you stand on that? Should they have a slower start? Um, you know, should they be throwing live already? I mean, uh, honestly, it's a little conflicting for me to understand where Aaron Boone's thinking was at and the Yankees. Um, I think that they should have – obviously slowed guys into the whole process. Um, talking to Don Mattingly the other day, he was talking about that these guys, some of the Marlins players were ready to go off the rip and that they had to kind of slow and break these guys and kind of get them to go at a slower rhythm because, yeah, they're ready to go and they've been locked up uh, at their houses, right, because of the whole pandemic. And rightfully so. I mean, you got you to gotta, – you got to know how to control the juices of your players. And I can understand a veteran guy like Tanaka saying, hey, you know what? I don't need the screen. But at the same time, you got to prevent, man. You got a lot of money invested into this player, into this franchise. And let me tell you that that line drive off of Tanaka, thank God he was all right. And he was able to walk out and go to the hospital and checked out. He had some mild concussions. But wow, it's just talk about dodging a bullet. I mean, the Yankees definitely, <laughs> they took a hit. If they're they're trying to do anything in the in the in the playoffs this year, if they're trying to do anything in this COVID season, they need starting pitching, and um, Tanaka is a big piece yeah. of that rotation. That's something we actually touched on last episode, where the like you can't afford for some of these guys to go down two three weeks. He goes down two weeks; that's a quarter of your season. 
You, he misses 15 games, three starts. That's the difference between, you know, uh, going to the playoffs or not in this shortened season. And you know what's, what's kind of crazy? Like, I feel bad for John Carlo out of everybody, right? Like, it's crazy how, like, baseball, it's all like a circle, and, like, he got hit in the past by a baseball, and who would have thought, like, he was the one to hit a line drive off of his teammate out of all things, right? Like, so you never wish anything like that to happen to any players, and and you, you hope, you know, you're praying for John Carlo and hope that he's taking things all right because you never want to see a teammate go down, man. That's your brother. Yeah, you saw his reaction, man. His hands fell straight to his knees. He didn't even move. Uh, he knows exactly what that situation feels like, man. I mean, what we saw happen to him in Milwaukee was atrocious. Um, but it brings the question, man. You were actually at the practice on Sunday, right? Yeah, I was there at Marlins Park, man. It was it was it was great. It felt it felt great to be a little bit back to normal, you know, seeing baseball up and going again, seeing guys on the field. Uh, I'd say the smell of fresh grass when now we have artificial turf and you guys wouldn't believe me, but, uh, man, it felt good to be back in Marlins Park. You know, there was very, uh, small amount of people there. I think, man, head count, I don't, I think I'd saw maybe like 30, 35 people and everybody was keeping safe distances. And it was like, wow, like on my way into Marlins Park. Yeah. It was circled by a lot of cars. You know, we are in, in the reality of your, uh, in the, in the reality of a pandemic, but you know, it felt good to run into normality inside of Marlins Park again. Um, it was good to see the right. guys in the, in the field training and, and things are looking up, you know, you, it gives you a little bit of faith that things are going to work out and we're going to be able to get through this whole pandemic together. But that leads you to, to, to what's going on now. Like, the test around the leagues and it's like wow you got four players that tested positive with the marlins and it's like that's just the marlins now you got players around the whole league that that have been testing positive as well and and the houston astros and the washington nationals uh, specifically didn't report to practice today uh just because they haven't received their results so it's a it's a situation where yeah for a second we're getting back to normality with baseball but we can't forget about what's outside the stadium walls. So I take my right, tip, tip of the hat, tip of the hat to these guys too, man, because they're really they're going over there. They're ready to play some baseball, and they're really trying to put on a show for the for the fans. You know, there might not be fans physically there, but they're doing it for everybody that loves baseball and for all the the sports fans across the world. Right, and officially the Marlins haven't come out with who the players were. Um, you can go on Twitter, guys. If you follow the Marlins, and if you're listening to this podcast, you do. It's pretty obvious. I mean, me and you were able to figure it out. Basically, I think 15 minutes of texting back and forth. Who's missing? Um, we're not going to go and put people on blast. That's just not our style. But it leads to the question, and I believe Sean Doolittle of the Nationals spoke about this today. The players, when they agreed to this season, when they agreed to it, I believe the testing, was the results were supposed to be back in two days now there's players coming out saying that testing the results are taking way longer than that um they're not getting tested as frequently as they were supposed to be i know they have a different style of testing i believe it's saliva based and not the nasal swab that we're used to but it brings the question once the season starts uh starting and their teams are traveling will mlb be able to control it you know this isn't this isn't like the NBA. This isn't like MLS. They're not making a bubble. There is no, 
you know, hey, you can't come into this area, these hotels, these fields, unless you've been tested. They're not doing that. You know, the guys are still traveling. Um, it brings the question, will MLB, will we actually have a season? Will they be able to regulate this? Oh, man, this I think player safety to me is more important than anything. At the end of the day, this is a job to them. We've seen some players opt out. Uh, the biggest names, um, one of the biggest names that has opted out is Nick Marcakis. Um, from the Braves, um, that's a huge loss to them. But at the end of the day, if a Marlin player comes out, let's say it's, you know, Brian Anderson says, hey, I'm not going to play anymore this season because, you know, I have my family. Can we blame them? Can we, as fans, I mean, I, I don't think we could. I, I think it'd be wrong for us to. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you 100%. Um, on Sunday, when I did go back to the, to the stadium, it was like, yeah, you know, we're 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 getting close back to normal, to life, going back back as it back as it was. But it really, it's really not. Um, there's a growing sentiment that the season might start, and there's also a growing sentiment that the season might not even end. You know, uh, I know people don't want to hear that, and it sounds like a bummer, man. But the reality of things is that a lot of people are suffering. From, from this COVID-19, you know, there's being a second wave of spikes that are starting to grow. Uh, our state, our home state of Florida is getting average cases of around 10,000 cases a day. Every day we're setting new world records, <laughs> a new state record for COVID testing or positive results. So, you know, um, I can't blame uh, uh, Brian Anderson, hypothetically speaking, or... Uh, <sighs> Maybe who, who knows, you know, where a staff member saying, hey, I don't want to participate. You know, it, uh, I love the union that the Marlins are showing and they're saying, hey, why not us? And they're, they're talking about that. We all got to think about one another and let's, you know, let's let's think responsibly. You know, it's not only about the clubhouse guys. You got to think about each other's families. And it only takes one person to really mess it up for everybody. And at the rate that this is going right now, we haven't had tests come back from MLB. and Wow, it's 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 growing at an alarming rate that I feel like wow, yeah, we're trying to be optimists with the season, man, but there's a chance that we might get 20 games in and that might be it. So, right. and it's it's frustrating because you look at the way the testing's done and you look at the way the you know, look at the NBA for example, they were able to get test results the same day. You know, MLS same thing, a day or two where MLB, it's one of the biggest biggest organizations it's one of the top sports and yet we can't get this right and i can't even imagine being a part of the players union and the frustration they must feel um i'm always gonna, gonna side with the players i think that at the end of the day the owners are always going to look for their pockets i know i'm not saying jeter specifically or sherman i'm just saying that you know you got to look for these guys bro i mean and the fact that we can't get this right the fact that we're here talking about this is frustrating it's it's another uh, black eye to the sport it's another right, black I mean, eye to the sport i don't like it they've complicated for no reason everything it's like mlb has to be complicated we have to bring up these new rules we can't just simplify you know everything's always trying to change the game when there's nothing wrong with it everything is always trying to you know oh we're gonna say let the kids play but then you know, the veterans are going to be on Twitter saying, oh, I don't like the fact that he pimped a home run. It's There's no cohesiveness, and it, you could tell. 
I mean, you see it. MLS was able to figure out their stuff in a week, it seemed. And yet MLB, you know, we can't figure it out. It's always a black eye. It's always something we should have, you know, I'm not saying health-wise, obviously that's priority, but this should have been settled a month ago. We should have had tests. We should have had everything planned. And players are coming out saying it's a mess. Um, yeah, just on MLB Network right now, right now, they had they showed, I believe it was Boston, how Boston is handling it. And they have two players per suite um, basically looking over the stadium. And, I mean, that's – is that smart? Yeah, everybody's separated. But how much control do you really have? Every, that just means more people are walking around. I don't know. What did you see on Sunday with the way the Marlins are doing it? Um, I doubt everybody's on the field at the same time. Was What did you see? How did they handle their situation? What were they, you know, how was the the atmosphere, I guess, at the park? Well, personally, when I entered Marlins Park, I was screened twice to two uh, temperature screenings to make sure that I was okay. I got asked a a series of questions, and they do so for everybody entering the ballpark. Um, On that sense, it was a little bit slower to get into the park. It wasn't as normal. You know, we would normally take, what, five to ten minutes to clear through security and go upstairs to the media room. But I right. think it took a little bit. It took about maybe like 20 minutes, depending on how, how, how many people you have ahead of you, right? So um, I did like that in the sense that the Marlins made it, made it safe. They had sanitizer everywhere. And, uh, and you're right. There wasn't – all the players weren't on the field at the same time. Uh, there were activities based on groups. Uh, players had batting practice in groups of two. Uh, for example, I saw Isan Diaz take BP along Monte Harrison. Uh, then I saw Miggy Rowe with Jesus Aguilar. Um, we saw a little bit of Brian Anderson take some infield. So everything was scattered around. You know, you had your pitchers out uh, on one side of the outfield. I think they, they were in left field. Meanwhile, you had your infield doing drills. You had some guys working in the outfield doing drills as well. You know, but they weren't all uh, using the same ball. You know, they were all into little groups in different right. sectors of the field uh, in that sense. And then uh, then it got to a point where, yeah, they all warmed up, but then they all separated. Some guys went inside of the clubhouse. Some went to go do sprints. Some did some bullpen sessions. And distancing, there was lots of safe distancing. Guys were torn. They were heckling one another. Uh, Miggy Rowe uh, was spotted on camera, you know, stretching out his arms and just going around in a circle. Hey, guys, make sure it's six feet, six feet. And Monte handing out the hand sanitizer, so. Oh, yeah, come on. Oh, I appreciate that, boy. Yeah. Never be too safe. I mean, these guys, you know, they're having a little bit of fun with it. And, uh, I mean, as you should, you should have a little bit of fun with it. But at the same time, you know, uh, be safe about it. And it's good that they're taking it this way. They're not taking things lighthearted. Uh, you saw guys uh, with masks. Others you didn't see with masks on the field because you're not going to be sprinting, doing full-on sprints with a mask on. But, you know, if you were a, a staff member uh, of the coaching staff and you were checking some of the guys out on the infield doing some drills, they definitely had some mask on. So that was good to see. Awesome, awesome. All right, Alex, we're at a barbecue. But let's change the topic a little bit. Let's get a little bit in a better mood here let's open up some of those biscayne brewery laggers and let's talk about finally um the schedule is released today at six o'clock but you know what before we break this down 
we spoke before getting on here and we were laughing, but it's frustrating, man. And I'm going to let you break this down. What happened at 6 o'clock today on MLB Network? Bro, it was like your prototypical, prototypical clickbait. You know, when you when you see those articles online on Twitter or something, it says something like the first line that just calls your attention. It's like, oh, I got to click on this, man, because it's like uh, Marlon Summer right. came in, and, you know, you click on it and it's like, okay, cool. But then you read it and it's something else, right? It's like, oh, man, that's not what I wanted. Well, that's what happened with MLB Network, right? The classic national media bashing on the fish. How did they start off? I was like, oh, okay, cool. MLB the MLB schedule's dropping. Welcome. It's Harold Reynolds and Tom Verducci. And they were all there, right? They were ready to present the schedules and they were amped up and i was like okay boom and the national televised games and we're gonna see opening night we see the yankees play okay great they can play against the nationals okay cool and now we're gonna have a quick little rundown for the first segment we go across the nl east and we're gonna look at the briefly we'll look at the phillies they went phillies braves mets you know they want everybody and then here comes the marlins yeah i'm gonna screenshot it so i can talk about it on the podcast and Boom, they cut the commercials. They just cut our guys off and they moved on to the next segment, man. I'm sick and tired of it. I can't believe these MLB Network guys, bro. Shame on you guys. And I just, I'm so glad I shut them off. And I, I can't. They just. What's frustrating, too, is that's not even the first time today. MLB released a statistic. Um, I don't know what it was. It was something to do with catchers. And basically, Real Muto's number one, Alfaro's number two. But in the picture that they used with the article, they put JT, and then they put the guy that was number three, I think it was Sanchez, as the picture. They just completely ignored Alfaro. And it's like you want to build your fan bases. You want to, you know, bring in new fans. You want to – I get it. But you're telling me we couldn't have one article without Gary Sanchez as the, the picture? I mean, come on. I mean, talk about the everybody. Yankees all day. We can't have one thing. I mean, it's crazy, man. I think MLB Network, like, this is their opportunity to really say, hey, we support Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman and new ownership. And then they're always praising, oh, they're doing a good job in South Florida. They're doing a good job. The farm system's starting to go up. But how long have we been on them? How long has Marlins Twitter and everybody on social media been on them to tell them that the Marlins are the legit deal? We always got to go out the way. Like, the national media is always out against the Marlins. And Don Manley said it the other day. Tell us who, besides South Florida, doesn't count the Marlins out. Everybody thinks that the Marlins are going to be in last place. But I'll tell you what, man. The Miami Marlins are going to come out. And they're going to shock the whole NL East and the AL East and this whole COVID season. I really pray that we are able to finish this season. Because if we are, we're going to be the COVID-19 champions. We got pitching. It's All right. Because the... Before we move on here to the schedule, it's it's what's crazy to me is the there's just nothing on the Marlins. Or I could say for other teams too, but it's like we don't need every other post to be about the Yankees. And even if you do, forget that. At least when you put our picture up, when you do put us, put a Marlin in a current uniform. Put our yeah. current logo. Put our current stadium. Don't put stuff from, you know, two, three, four years ago. Don't Photoshop pictures of our guys in the old uniforms for some reason i saw i think it was like i'm not even gonna mention who it was some sports network put a picture of i think it was brian anderson or somebody else a current um actually it was villar on an old uniform like if he played with us three years ago so it's just laziness it's not 
it's it's not fair, but you know what? Let's move on. Let's talk about this schedule. Let's break it down. The Marlins start the 2020 season, July 24th, away against the Phillies. So what do you think of the July schedule? Um, we play the Phillies three times, Baltimore four times, Washington one time in July. What do you got? Man, I can I could definitely see the Marlins taking two out of three from the Phillies, right? We could take we could take three out of four from Baltimore and we'll drop one to Washington, just so you know what I mean? Even things out because we'll start <laughs> off August taking taking that win in August. So yeah, I mean right, I mean look not- at it, man. If you look at it by month, we got Philly, Baltimore, Washington. It's light. I mean, the Phillies, they got no pitching. We're they think that they're going to rake off of us, but we're going to have the pitching on deck. The only advantage that they have is that they're going to be playing at Citizens Bank Ballpark. That doesn't mean anything because there's not going to be any fans. We don't have Justin Board, so he's not going to be going out to Pats and Gino to so eat some cheesesteaks. We don't have to worry about that distraction. Everybody's going to be locked down. They're going to be ready to play. Baltimore, Baltimore's right. not ready for us. Like Baltimore thinks right. that, oh, they, they got the number uh, what? They got the number one pick a couple of years ago. What does that mean? They didn't have the right mind surrounding the farm system like the Miami Marlins do. And the Washington Nationals, the world champs. Yeah, they got rid of Velar. Thank you for, if anything, we're going to go. Velar's going to show off and he's going to say, hey, man, this is what you let go of. That was was the sound of a home run. (laughs) What's interesting is we played two at home against Baltimore. We actually started our season here at home. And then we flip and go to Baltimore for two more. Um, I agree with you with the Baltimore. I think we could take three out of four there. Um, they just Baltimore just really doesn't have anything going on. I don't think they have any buzz, any momentum. Um, the Phillies, you know, we're going to see Aaron Nola. We're going to see Zach Wheeler, maybe a Jake Arrieta. Um, Aaron Nola, past him, I don't see anything I like in this rotation. Obviously, I wouldn't mind a Zach Wheeler type of guy. But with the way things are, I just don't like you know, Zach Wheeler, Arietta's a show of himself. Um, maybe a Vince Velasquez instead of Arietta, depending on which order they go. But I I like I, I agree with what you said. I think the Phillies are gonna be a team that's gonna disappoint a lot of people. Um we spoke about this before where you basically you hit it on the head that they're gonna try to outslug people. And Marlin fans, we learned that it just doesn't work. And it you they may in a few years be uh, using our uh, world famous hashtag that we're they're two pitchers away. Um, they may actually be two pitchers away, three pitchers away, and I just don't see them as uh, you know a force to be reckoned with. The Philadelphia Phillies are, are starting to trend downwards. You know what I mean? You you look at their lineup. Yeah, their lineup has potent names. You know they got uh, Andrew McCutcheon, JT Realmuto, Bryce Harper, Bryce Hoskins, DD Gregorius. Uh, John Segura, Scott Kingry, the third baseman, Jay Bruce. Yeah, those are some pretty good names, right? But if you really look at the numbers that they had individually, they weren't very good, man. You don't have a guy in here that had over 20 home runs, you know? Uh, I'm sorry. Let's see. What does this say? Yeah, well, these are the projected line, uh, the projected numbers. That's why I was getting thrown off. I was like, how is it projected that Bryce Harper is going to have 14 home runs? Obviously, I forgot it's going to be 60 games in the season. Sorry. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a process, right? You were used to the 162 games. Right. But yeah, 60 games, 
14 home runs is what uh, Bryce Harper is projected to have. Bryce Hopkins is projected to have 12 home runs. And nobody's going to have over 39 RBIs. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. They're not. They're, they're a thing of the past. They're going to, they look like the future Marlins. And I feel like uh, it's only a matter of time before it blows up. I feel like JT is going to want to leave Philadelphia. And before you know it, these guys are going to have to flip some of their prospects, like a Rice Hoskins. Like, he's not even a prospect anymore. He's, he's a top guy. And they're going to have to flip somebody like him so that they get get some more pitching because you said it Aaron Nola Zach Wheeler Jake Arrieta Vince Velasquez Zach Eflin like Jake Arrieta he, he did awesome last year he got his 100th win but he's also a guy that's on down on downtrend and uh you know what it's only a matter of time before they blow it up and they start working on that farm system and they start using their hashtag uh 215 on the rise I can see it now yeah and something too um, I a lot of their guys are usually streaky players. Um, Harper is extremely streaky. He's either going to give you a, you know, he could go something crazy like 17 for 20, or he could go 0 for his last 17. And any player could obviously do something like that. But in a 60-game season, guys, and that's what I keep saying because it's something that we got to get used to realizing. You go, you get in a cold stretch that is a week and a half, a week, you know, especially for a, a guy like Bryce Harper, it's, you're just not going to win many games. And if you go two weeks without winning, you know, whatever it is, I'm not sure how many games they're going to play in a week, but let's say six out of 10 or whatever, five out of 10 at least, you're look, you're just not going to hang in there. You're just not going to keep up. Um, and that throws us into August. We play the Nationals, Phillies, Mets, Toronto, Atlanta, the Mets again, Washington, the Mets again, and then we close it out in Tampa. Um, something that jumps out to me is how many times we play the Mets here. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten times in August we play the Mets. August might be our best month because we have a chance to uh, take care of the Mets. Toronto's going to be, you know, another team, hit or miss. Um, Tampa Bay, I think Tampa Bay's solid. They're a great team. Um, but what do you think about August? Anything stand out to you? Um, what do you got? Well, you you hit you hit it right on. Um, we do face the Mets one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. So, knowing the Mets are going to shoot themselves in the foot, and we're going to be able to take at least six games out of ten from them. So that's we're moving forward there. Philly, uh, Philly's going to try to bounce back against us. They only have three games, so we'll try to take two from them after losing the first series. Uh, I see us going to Toronto and splitting the series um, because, you know, they got Vlad. They got some They got some potent guys. And, you know, going to Toronto, a whole different city, a whole different country, it might throw off the guys a little bit with the whole travel. It might mess with them a little bit mentally. Um, but uh, then we come to Florida for the Citrus Series. Man, I'm all for it, man. We're going to, we're going to, even though the Rays have a solid team, we always got to fight. We always got to determine who is Florida's champion. And if anybody's determined in the past, man, Florida's Florida's real champion is the Marlins, man. Listen, Rays fans, I, I know you guys got a lot of love and support from them. They got a good team in the recent years. But let's face it, man. When the Rays have gone, they've choked. All right? And it's not – you can't blame the Marlins because you guys decided to switch over to the Rays. All right? If you guys want to hop back on over, 
on the Miami train, now is the time. All right? I'm letting you guys know. I'm putting it on blast. Miami Marlins, <laughs> Florida's real champion. Right, and it goes back to, too, man, like, the you know, who are we going to face? We talked about this last um, episode that if you have three or four guys, you're going to you're going to you're in good shape. I mean, you're not going to be you don't I think the days for this season anyway, you're not going to need eight or nine or ten starting pitchers to get you through the season. Um, the team, I think, that's in the best shape. I mean, I love the Nationals top three of Strasburg, Scherzer and Corbin. I, what more can you ask for? You know, those guys are going to run the table. I think the Nationals are going to win the division. Um, and the Mets, they have a good uh, top two. I like DeGrom, obviously. Um, Stroman is always electric. He's fun. I like him, too. But then after that, you know, you have Steven Matz, Rick Porcello, Michael Walker. Those guys, I like Matz, but those are just guys. Um, I'm not saying the Marlins are in better shape as a rotation. Um, we still have a lot of youth, you know, maybe next year, that's a different argument, but, um, the Mets, like you said, they're going to do something to shoot themselves in the foot. They're going to get you know, hurt. Typical Mets in August, they'll go two and eight against the Marlins. And that's their season. A lot of these guys, I, we, the NL East is a gauntlet right now facing the AL East in the schedule. And it's just a gauntlet. You cannot go 2-10 and ten against the Marlins. And that's what every team is going to preach. You cannot do stuff like that. You can't lose your games to Baltimore. You can't lose your games to the Marlins, the Toronto. It's just you're going to – you're done. It's crazy. The season's going to be crazy. Completely chaos. Um, let's jump into September where the Marlins go away to Toronto again. Actually, that's the continuation of the August one. But uh, we have Tampa, Atlanta, you know, the divisional guys. We face Boston and the Yankees. Tell me about that. What do you think about the Yankees? Um, I believe we finished the season against the Yankees. Yeah, we have um, a tough, uh, tough ending to the season. We finish off in a seven-game road trip. We go to Atlanta first, and then we finish off in New York. So September is going to be a rough one in the sense of not well. I'm sorry. I don't want to use the word rough. It's going to be a very competitive end of the season. September. It's going to show, it's going to be a key month for this organization to see, wow, the guys that we have right now, it's the, it's the key playoff stretch. This is it. And make it or break it. If we're trying to get into this thing, we got to beat Philly. We got to beat Washington and we got to beat Atlanta. So the Marlins have everything. They have everything in their power to make it happen. And by then some of these guys are going to be fully hundred percent ready to go. They're going to be gassing it up and that playoff atmosphere is going to be a first time for a lot of these guys. And we don't know how they're going to respond man. They, there might be a young Josh Beckett in one of these guys. The Sandy might just go berserk in this opportunity playing, pitching in New York. The Marlins are a game out and they're facing the Yankees in a three game set. Yeah. You don't know how Caleb Smith is going to react. Caleb Smith came from the New York Yankees. So he might just go over there and go berserk. Say, hey, 12 K's for Dr. K. We're going to the playoffs, doctor's orders. Man, you know what I mean? If the Marlins are in any position, I mean, I don't care if, you know, we got to win like six of the last seven. Wouldn't it just be something to for fans to just hold on to for next year that the Marlins could go into, if they could go into that road trip with a chance, even if it's 0.1, just a chance to do something, meaningful baseball, you know, 
for so long we've been deprived of anything meaningful past April because the Marlins are immediately, you know, I mean, there was that season, when was it? I believe 2009, that we started 10-0. and But besides that, when was the last chance that there was meaningful baseball? I mean, it's it's been a while. I know we were in the hunt for last, a while. Or something. The last time I remember, yep, well, the last time I remember was when Jose was on the squad. You know, like right, maybe like... AC McGee went ballistic. Um, yep. But, I mean, even that, you know, we were, it was a wild card. You know, there's no... I just want meaningful baseball. That's the only thing we could ask for. Um, again, with this. But schedule, I mean, why not us? So Mike Hill said it, baby. Why not us? Look at that Marlins lineup. We got Jonathan Villar, Brian Anderson, Corey Dickinson, Jesus Aguilar, Gary Cooper, Alfaro, Monte, Isan, Miggy Rowe. Come on, man. Why not us? Right. And what I love about, what I love about that, that lineup that you just said, people are going to look at the Marlins and expect to see a, you know, a rookie team. But it's obviously on the contrary. I mean, Villar has been in the league for a while. Um, Dickerson. Anderson, uh, Dickerson, Aguiar, Alfaro. Those aren't – you throw in Rojas, who's probably going to start at short. That's not – those aren't, you know, rookies. Those aren't, you know – yeah, we might Matt have one Joyce. or two. But even Matt, Matt Joyce, you throw in um, Coop. You know, those, these guys have been around for a little bit already. Um, yeah, so man. people, I think, are going to underestimate us. Our rotation is a little, you know, junior on, on the junior side. But – I mean, Sandy, this isn't going to be his first season. Caleb, um, who else we got out there? Urena's probably going to be a starter. Um, Pablo Lopez, Yamamoto, Elias Hernandez. And now you, you look know. back, even for guys like Yamamoto, remember when he got called up, it was a lot of people didn't understand why. Because he he came up, I believe, from low or double A. From double A. Double a right, right, and people didn't expect that. They were like, oh, it's, it's Yams. But he came out, he held his own for some starts. He, you know, he got hit around a little bit. But. Even him looking now, you feel a little better with him as your fifth starter because you just had he has the experience. So I think a lot of people are gonna overlook the Marlins. They're gonna look at their schedule and be like, hey, we play the Marlins this week or these four games. This is gonna be like our relaxing schedule. There's probably other podcasts right now that are looking at the schedule and saying, Oh man, we got four games against the Marlins, man. That's you know, four either four and oh or three and four on that one. We'll give them one game, we'll give them the Sunday game or whatever. So I think that's a benefit. These guys wanna win, these guys wanna play. And I think, like Michael has been saying, everybody's been saying, why not us? I just, it all goes back to, I hope we have a full season. Yeah. You know, the recently acquired uh, Nick Vincent, he said that Correct. one of the things uh, that, the, that the guys from Philadelphia, he was a Philadelphia Philly last year, said one of the things that the guys would mention was when they would face a guy like Alcantara that they would hate it. They would hate facing Sandy because he was like, yo, this is one of the young guys on the team that really has the stuff. He's electric. And we got to try to limit these guys to at least one run. And we got to try to get him out of the game as quick as possible. So one of the things that he touched on that he really enjoyed on coming to the Marlins was the history of it. And, and seeing how every time the Marlins have won, it's been like young guys surrounded by key vets. I've always liked the Marlins and they got a brand new park. I've always played here against them, but, uh, just being part of the Marlins family. Like I just, I remember watching those teams back in the late nineties with Beckett and Josh Johnson and Renneria and all those guys. I was like, they've, this team's got some history behind it. So, uh, that was the biggest thing for me is just playing for those guys, playing for a team that those guys have been a part of. And we talked, we talked about it just now with the key vets in the lineup 
and the key vets also in this bullpen. Like we got Brandon Kitzler, Ryan Stanek. We signed a, a Jimmy Garcia. You know, Adam Conley didn't have the best year last year, but he he's ready for a bounce back year. Um, Broad ba- uh, Broad ba- Boxberger, sorry, he's a, a, a newly acquired. He he's gonna make the team. He's gonna be on the opening day uh, squad for sure. Stephen Tarpley, you know, uh, Sterling Sharp. I mean, these are all guys that are gonna contribute. Don't forget about the wild card this guy's gonna come out of nowhere he's gonna be the comeback player of the year possibly for the bullpen anyway drew steckenrider remember that guy <laughs> yeah he's faced injuries last year though so we'll see with him like i, I agree everything you said man uh, i'm excited the bullpen's a big question mark for me um i like the guys at the end but there's that whole middle section that we're not sure about um you know, there's a guy. There's a guy that's left in the bubble. There's gonna be a guy. There's gonna be a couple guys that are gonna be left in the bubble that are starting pitchers that are gonna be transitioning to the bullpen. Uh, one of those guys might be Eliasar Hernandez, and the other might be Robert Duggart. Um, I like more the upside Hernandez has. Uh, Duggart has a lot of movement to his pitches, a lot of secondary pitches. Um, but I think Eliasar is gonna have a good transition into the bullpen. Uh, he's a guy that can give you multiple innings, and the other guys. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy Garcia and Ryan Stanek, you just need them to give you key outs uh, for one one inning. I don't think you're going to ask those guys to give you two. I think the only guy you can really ask to give you two innings uh, would be like the closer, uh, Kinsler. Or, but if you did need somebody besides those guys, if you're not in a, in a closing situation, you can easily count on Hernandez and Duggar. Conley, Conley, I think he'll, he'll be a specialist along with Tarpley. So. Yeah, Conley needs to have a huge bounce back here. If not, unfortunately, I think we may be running out of time with him. Um, we were I was gonna, you know, get you to start talking about the other starting rotations and stuff, but let's drive away from that. Let's talk about our rotation. At the end of the day, this is a Marlins podcast. How do you see us stacking up? Um, who do you see one through five? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit here. Um, because in the beginning I thought, hey, let's throw the young guys out there. They're, it's a 60-game season. You know, they're going to pitch maybe 10 times each. Um, that's great experience. It's basically a quick season. Let's give them the experience. But after looking at our lineup, looking at the schedule, yeah, it's a tough schedule. But I think the Marlins are going to go more towards the older guys at first and then maybe ease the young guys in. Um, what do you see? Uh, obviously, we have Sandy at one. But after him, who do you got? I got uh, Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith and Sandy are the two staples for sure. Um, Jose Ureña is going to be a guy that's going to start off in the in the starting rotation possibly, and he can make that transition into the bullpen like he did towards at the end of the uh, last year. He did that because he got injured, but he's a guy that in the past came up and he was doing work out of the bullpen. So I like the the move of a Jose Ureña to the bullpen. I can fully expect him to make that move, that transition with no problem and also add value to his his to, to his name. You know, we can eventually flip him um uh, for something if the price is right. Um but Jose Ureña's got everything that that you want in a pitcher. Um as far as that, Pablo Lopez, man, Pablito's ready to turn it up. He's super excited. He's ready to show the league that they're out to sh- they're out to shock and Yamamoto, you know, um, I feel like he's going to be, he's a, he's a staple in the, in the rotation for a while. I think the only thing that's going to stop him is himself. So eventually, yeah, I can see Jose stepping out and then making room for a up and coming prospect so that they can get a couple spot starts. You, you'd love to see a, 
much anticipated debut of a 6 Sanchez. You'd also like to see a, a, a Nick Nadart, um, a Edward, a Edward Cabrera. You know, you'd like to see those guys eventually up in the big leagues this year, but it all depends on how we're doing in the race. So, right, and then, and then we haven't even mentioned the first over the the Marlins' first overall pick in the draft last year, where by all reports he's major league ready. Um, we touched on it a little bit personally. I wouldn't want to see him up so quick. I don't see the need, especially with all the pitching you just mentioned, and especially with all the guys we already have knocking on the door. Um. But the Marlins have an interesting opportunity here where they could not rush their guys if needed, but also, you know, who wouldn't want to throw a – if we're in the, the race, you know, we're a game out or we're leading and you need to bring in a pitcher, a starter, and you have Sixto sitting there or Edward Cabrera or Nider, like you said, why not? You know, why – what are we waiting for? Obviously, service time and all that, you know – business side comes into effect but jeter doesn't seem to really care about the business side he's more of a i'm gonna win you know he's a winner he's always won and he's gonna win so i'm excited man it's it's gonna be an interesting season again pitching is key i have we haven't had i mean when was the last time we had this much pitching depth for the mart i mean i can't even name a time so it's gonna be i'm excited and let's just hope we have a season. I'm gonna say I got that. you. I got your I got your answer. The last time we were this amped up about a rotation was way back when we had uh Josh Johnson, Scott Olson, Ricky Nolasco, Annabelle Sanchez, and Dontrell Willis. And those guys, like, they were cool. But I'm just uh, hype over these guys that we have now. Besides like, Josh Matthews, I don't I don't think any of those guys you said are mess I mean, AJ at one point, obviously, but I mean, bro. If you look at guys, I know a lot of you don't follow minor leagues, but if you listen, if you look at some of these guys' pitch, it's their their stuff is electric and will fit in at the highest level. And you know it, you see it. Obviously, there's potential to flop, but Miami has to be excited. There is no more, you know, oh another rebuild, oh another this. No, the rebuild is. I, I'm I'm gonna say it. The rebuild is done. The core for the next six seven. I'll even say 10 years is here. Now there's drafts and there's, you know, can we trade like we traded Gallon for jazz? Of course, but the pitching is here. The bats are here and it's, it's, I mean, what more does Miami want? They want like a power hitting Francisco Lindor all around guy. But I mean, why do you want that when you got a jazz? You know, you don't need that. Like, you said it perfectly. There's a lot of guys out there that are saying, hey, let's make this, this big trade. Let's sign a big free agent. For what? Dude, we're set. Like, you look at this team, you got Brian Anderson at the hot corner. You know, Jazz is coming up. Isan's a stamp. Alfaro's got the second, what, he's got, what, the first, second strongest arm in all of Major League Baseball. The power's amazing. Uh, at first base, you got Lewin Diaz. He's ready to take the 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 baton on that so jesus aguilar and cooper hold the hold the hold the fort down in the meantime you know the outfield's going to be redonkulous you know monte's up and coming like jesus sanchez is another guy that we haven't even really talked about that's going to be great um it's like wow man you just look at these marlins up and down man and there's just jj bladay jj bladay man come on 
You know what I mean? Like these are names that are going to be part of this organization. Like it's safe to say that you can go out and get a jersey from one of these guys. You know, there's th- things that you wouldn't be able to say in the past. Like Brian Anderson, oh. hey guys, go out and get you a Brian Anderson jersey because Brian Anderson is here to stay. You know, um, and that's the beauty of things. Like your, your old school Marlins fans, you would tell them, hey, wh- what jersey are you getting? Any real Marlins fan would always tell you, oh, just get a blank one, man, because they'll ship them away <laughs> before you know it. Unless you got, hey, you were lucky enough to pick a, a legend of the moment, you know, like you never knew, hey, I'm going to get a, a Miguel Cabrera jersey. You never knew the kid was going to be a freaking legend. Yeah, you're in the moment when you hit the home run off of Clemens. He's, he's a legend, right? But you never knew he was going to have this Hall of Fame career. I mean, you wish for it as a fan. And, Damn it, it happened, and Loria traded him away for a bag of chips and a couple flat beers. Right. And and a quick story here. The the day I knew things were different, for the last, I'd say, three, four years, me and a very good friend of mine, we make the same bet before the year. Hey, I bet you $100 the Marlins are going to lose more than 100 games. And every year I make the bet, every year, you know, obviously our record stands for itself. Um, I think the only year I won was two seasons ago when the, the, we missed a game because of rain to the pirates or something like that. We never made it up like a series, like three games or two games. And they ended up with like 98 losses. And the point is this guy, you know, my good friend, he's been a diehard Marlins fan from the old days to now, but he's, he's been so against them. And this year I didn't even text him. I didn't even bring it up. He texted me saying, hey, we're not doing the bet this year. Obviously, that's when there was 162 games. And he said, hey, we're not doing the bet this year. So that moment for me was huge because I've been trying to convince him for years. Hey, come me to a game. Hey, check out this prospect. Hey, check out this prospect. And he'd always say the same thing. Who cares? They're going to get shipped away. And for the first time, he said, you know what? I'm going to invest in this team. And I think that's huge. That's crazy that you say that, Red. Yo, I'm not the. You see, like, there's Marlins fans. I have the same problem myself. I got a homie of mine that I constantly tell him, yo, man, the Marlins need you. And he's always saying, explicit, the Marlins. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, chill out, dude. You know what I mean? It's like, nah, nah, nah. They, all they care about is shipping guys off and they don't care about us and it's all just a scam all they want is our money and you know like i would just hear them out i'm like dude this this love and passion that you have for the miami dolphins and the miami heat the marlins need you bro like let that go look at and and it's gotten to the moment like that i had that same moment that you had with your friend that bet that hey every year hey yeah, marlins gonna lose 100 games bro come on let's make a bet you know and I just had that beautiful moment this year where we went to a spring training game before this whole COVID thing happened. We went to a game between the Marlins and the Mets and uh, we, we took his daughters and it was hilarious. He was like, Oh, what are his daughters? Was like, Hey, what are we, what are we doing here? And she was like nine and nine and 12. And they were like, Oh, we're here to watch a Marlins game. And the, the little daughter was like, yeah, let's go Marlins. And he would be like, no, 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 no. You're, you're rooted for New York, <laughs> you know what I mean? But he would just say it jokingly, and now you see the guy rocking a Marlins hat, and it's like, wow, my dude, he, he, he finally he hit that corner, man. And you can feel that all the fans starting to hit that corner in the Miami fan base, like Jeter and the Marlins and Sherman, Mike Hill, all these guys have been doing it right, man. Look at how involved they are in the community, and they're finally starting to put the product on the field. 
what more can you ask for, guys? Like, yeah, at the moment it hurt. It sucked that they got rid of uh, Stanton or uh, Ozuna or uh, Cabrera or uh, Beckett or whoever your player was that hurt you in the past. Let it go, man. Reminiscent. Enjoy your, your that moment with that player. Let them live in your memory forever. There'll always be a Marlin. But it's time to welcome these new Marlins into your heart. Let's make new memories because the way that these Marlins are playing, they're playing like the Marlins from the past, the world champions. They're fighting fish, man. Yeah, and it's time to, you know, Miami. Let's start with Miami. It's time Miami takes note. And side by, sidebar here, guys, real quick. The little girl you hear crying, I don't know if the mic's picking it up. That's Stella. If you follow me on Twitter, you know exactly who she is. Uh, I don't know what's going on outside. But with like with this whole COVID thing, bro, we're all doing stuff at home. We're all doing everybody's home. So bear with Stella us. Was, Stella was upset. Stella was upset about the Zach Gallon trade. I heard <laughs> we yeah, were talking yeah. about jazz and she started like, crying. <laughs> Stella was mad out there about something, Alex said. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but speaking of, uh, of crying and ranting here in the old days, let's go to the beer cooler real quick. Let's get a couple beers and let's have a little rant. Um, today's rant is going to be, and this is how we're going to close it out, guys, is on the fact that there is no, almost no history, almost no, you know, memorabilia at the park for fans to go look at. Um, to me, the reason this is important is because it adds an element to the park where we could go and see history. You know, the banners, the World Series banners, are these two tiny flags that you can't even see if you don't if you don't know where they are and you're not looking for them you're not gonna find them you know we don't have any retired numbers i'm not saying we need to build a statue for someone out there guys but i believe left field you know where the marlins bobblehead stuff is should be turned into something you know um i grew up watching the 2003 world series tape and they show all that memorabilia that's that was taken from those games to be saved forever um you're telling me there's no way the marlins can get their hands on that i highly doubt it's displayed in cooperstown so something i just want to be able to go to the park and look at something you go to the hard rock stadium there's history everywhere you go to the triple a there's history everywhere they retire jerseys of you know like tim hardaway like they they, re- they you i don't need superstars you know to be you know to be retired but you're telling me a louis castillo a conine those guys don't deserve it when they yet they've been the they've led the Marlins in their highest moments. And guys, we do have more positive history than most teams. And anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. You know, yeah, those those little players, play. those little players helped get us to where we are now. You know what I mean? If those right. Marlins would have never won a championship, we would have never voted to hey, let's vote for a stadium. Exactly, the Gold Gloves, the Rookies of the Year. You know, we have we do have history, yet you guys might not know it. The casual fan might not know it because it's nowhere. I mean, there's more displayed of the Orange Bowl, the history of the Orange Bowl, than there is of the Marlins in the park. And to me, that's insane. Guys, I know that the Orange Bowl is a sensitive topic. I'm sorry. But the point is, there needs to be something for Marlin fans to hold on to. There needs to be something for us to go look at your why do we not have our records displayed everywhere why do we not have our you know highest you know i mean it should be you should be able to walk around the park and and those little those little triggers man you know remembering where you were in or three remembering where you were when stanton was on that home run chase you know there's so much in marlin's history 
and you just don't see it. And you go to any other stadium, guys, for the most part, and it's everywhere. And don't tell me, oh, but we don't have superstars. Again, stop. You know, you go to Dodger Stadium, and they have numbers retired of players you've never heard of. So it's frustrating, man. I We need to be better. I've been to, I believe, like seven town hall meetings now as a season ticket holder with Jeter. And in every meeting for the last three seasons, two seasons, um, however long he's been an owner, he has said the same thing. We're working on it. We're working on it. But it's time. You know, there's no more working on it. It's, we need something. You need to give the fans something. And that's my rant for today. I feel you, Red. I really feel you, man. Like, I was out. To give the Marlins a little bit of credit, if you come in through third base, you see, like, going up the escalators, like, you see a picture of, like, Josh Beckett and the boys celebrating the World Series. That doesn't give it justice. And, like, I don't see anywhere in the ballpark, like, I don't see the history like you talk about. They got, like, little, like, pillars, like, columns with, like, information about the Orange Bowl and how the Miami Marlins in the past, you know, and how the, how the stadium got the name and all that, but that's all cool and gravy, but, like, the only place that I can really recall in the stadium that has, like, something with players of the past is in, like, the Lexus level, um, where they have the suites. Like, I know they have, like, a Jeff Conine suite. Right, and, right, right. And that's, like, really the only, like, kind of, like, oh, that's cool, like, this is Marlins Park. But, like, your average fan that's getting the cheap seats, like, they're not going up there. They don't have access up there, so they can't really enjoy all that. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Like, when I've been to, to other stadiums like uh, City Field, the Mets, they have, like, a, their own sector. They have their own section there. Like, everywhere you go, not just the Mets, the Braves themselves at, uh, at uh, SunTrust Park, they have a, a, a own little uh, history. Uh, what is it? A little museum, Braves Museum. And you see, like, numbers and players and jerseys. And in the past, Marlins, this Marlins organization has shown to sell off old jerseys from past regime. Uh, from the teal, the teal jerseys, the pinstripes, um, they've had it all for sale. So, I mean, they have to have access to all this old memorabilia. And I'm with you. Like, why not use the area where we had Taste of Miami? And let's turn that into a museum. Let's show off the history of Billy the Marlin. Show off the very first hideous Billy the Marlin. Compare him to the, the one we were when he transitioned with us into the new park. And then the, the recently transformed the 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 nose lift he had, you know, like, let's show all that and let, let people enjoy it. Like, yeah, the bobblehead museum is cool, but that's not enough. Billy's house doesn't give enough justice to really know it's Marlins park. Like let's, let's really touch base about all these players. Like my man red said, like we deserve it. Like we deserve to know about our narrators. Like fellow Ramirez deserves to be talked about. Everybody needs to know about who Yiki Quintana is. You know, everybody needs to know about the, uh, Tommy Hutton's, and they're Rich Waltz. And it's okay that they're not with the organizations anymore, but we got it. They're part of our history, and we got to engrave it, and we got to show it to our fans. Like, this is a big part of us, and we got to make it feel like Marlin, Marlins Park is Marlins Heaven. Like, if you walk in there, it's Marlins, 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 Marlins. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere, everywhere you look, it's Marlins, Marlins. Like, you go to other ballparks, they're not selling Marlins hats. They're not selling away team hats. Why are we doing that at Marlins Park? We got to have nothing but Marlins gear, like outstanding, exclusive Marlins gear. Right. And then if you think about it, the the people that were born in 2003 are 17 years old now. Those are the guys, those are the people you got to entice, but they're not going to remember 
03. They're definitely not going to remember 97. So those are the ones you, I was talking with one of my good friends. He was like, yeah, but why, who deserves it? And I told him, I go, I'm not saying build a statue of Louis Castillo, but nobody should wear number one. You know, I'm not saying let's make a section after Conine, but he he is Mr. Marlin. He was there for both World Series. Nobody should wear number eighteen or nineteen, whatever number. He, he hit the first. He hit. He hit a home. He he won the Marlins' first All Star Game MVP too. Like, come right. on, dude. The, the casual fan won't even know that Conine did that. You know, it's frustrating, and it needs to change. Yeah, and we need we need to also reminiscent with the old fans. Like, we got to show these these young bucks who was the, the the lead guy before Cabrera and Stanton. Like, they got to talk about Sheffields. They got to right. let these guys know that we had an Andre Dawson play here. You know, we got to tell them about all the, all the great names that have played here in the past. So feed them that knowledge. Like, we can do something really, really cool that makes Marlins Park take it to another level. Like, why not put, like, a little aquarium in there, too? Like, just Marlins, a Marlin tank. Let's have a Marlin in there. Who knows? <laughs> Right, and it goes back to the fact that how do you expect the new generation to love the game and learn the game if you if you can't even teach them who the Marlins were? Why would they? Why are they going to love the Marlins when they have they go to the park and yeah, it's a beautiful park, but they don't they they're only investing in the, the team on the field. So for the last few years, who are they investing in? You know, so like I take my I took my nephews to spring training, and that was the first time they've been to a baseball game, and they loved it, but. I take them to Marlins Park. Yeah, they're going to grow up loving the team, but who they don't know the history. And that's what's frustrating, and that's what we need to be better on as an organization. Um, I don't know if anybody from the Marlins will ever hear this, but I've been literally preaching this for since like 2009. Or let's say 12, because that's when we got the stadium. There is nothing there that I could walk through with my nephew, with my kids when they're older, and say, hey, this is Jeff Conine. He won this. This is the old three team, 97 team. Check this out. You know, there's nothing. And it really is frustrating. And we need to be better. Yeah. All right. Alex, where can we find you, brother? Where are you on Twitter? On social media, TikTok? Let us know. All right, guys. For more information, make sure you check out fishstripes.com. You can follow us on social media at The Real Acon. Ad Talk Baseball on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Yeah, guys, check me out at Red underscore Garcia. Um, that's pretty much the only social media I have that's, you know, Marlins uh, oriented. Um, make sure you check out Fish Stripes for all the updates. Guys, Fish so Check out Fish Stripes. Some really fun stuff on there. What we do here, what, you know, not even me, but what the guys on the Fish Stripes team do is one of a kind. The Marlins are blessed to have us. Um, we were all found and connected through Twitter, so it's a beautiful thing. Um, what Fish Stripes does is amazing, guys. Check them out on all platforms, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and that basically wraps up episode two. We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed it. We had a great time as always. And this is uh, Red and Alex signing off, guys. Have a good one. No te preocupes que esta noche...